Support for Market Foolery comes from Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, work with one that has your best interests in mind. Use Rocket Mortgage for a transparent, trustworthy home loan process that's completely online at quickenloans.com/fool. It's Tuesday, May 23rd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill joining me in the studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker. Happy Tuesday. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, we're going to get to the earnings news in a minute. We're going to dip into the full mailbag. Um, Got to start with um, what happened this morning at the New York Stock Exchange, where um, there was a moment of silence in honor of the victims of the bombing last night uh, at the Manchester Arena. Uh, so, to all of our friends in the UK, um, please stay as strong as possible in the face of madness like this. Um, and with that, we move on to the earnings. We'll talk uh, auto parts and home building, and one is certainly better than the other today. AutoZone's third quarter was a miss. It was a pretty big miss. Their their same-store sales were down. The stock is down 9% this morning. That seems like a lot. I mean, how big was this miss? The miss, uh, well, they missed on a lot of different uh, areas, and I think it was the Sort of um, the breadth of the troubles that they're looking at. The story going into the quarter was that uh, tax refunds had been delayed, which was true, and uh, that that they expected to have a pretty good end of the quarter uh, because once the, the tax refunds went out, they have a business which historically has benefited and benefited. Sort of by, you know, to, to the day. As soon as people start getting their tax refunds, uh, their customer base is known to use that money uh, at AutoZone. And, and so there's a track record to this because long-term when I, track. Record. When I first heard this this morning on CNBC, my gut reaction was, "This kind of sounds like blaming the weather," but but it sounds like oh, they, the, the weather was there too. Okay. We'll get to that. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, you can overdo it on on scoffing at blaming the weather as well, but but we'll uh, get to that in a second. So, what happened is the first five weeks were slow uh, because of that, in part, and then the last seven weeks were a little bit better, but not as much better as they needed to be and as the company expected to be. Those being the twelve weeks of the fiscal quarter. And uh, that drove, uh, in large part, the the sales miss. And this is a company which I listened to the conference call while I was driving into the office today, and they repeatedly brought up that they had had 41 or 44 consecutive quarters of 10% earnings per share growth, which is a remarkable record, but it's over, and it's been over for more than one quarter now. Uh, so, taking the victory lap for something which has not you know, been the case for a full half year now is problematic. Um, they also found that they uh, so the weather was an issue the last two years uh, this quarter has been uh, AutoZone and the other uh, competitors in the space benefit a lot from bad weather and and the damage that that does to cars and the damage that it does to roads which in turn damages the cars and uh, you know the unfortunate thing for AutoZone is that uh, roads are not that damaged 
And so the undercarriage. I never thought. I got to. I got to be honest. I'd never thought about that before. Like yeah. if you're if you're AutoZone or O'Reilly, you're you're absolutely rooting in some small quiet way for bad roads. Financially, you are rooting for the small. You know, slip. You're you're not rooting for car accidents. No, but you know, somebody uh, hits a little patch of ice and bumps into something, and you know, I mean, that's it's just. That. A certain amount of that potholes. happens. Potholes. And then the potholes are left at the end after the, the ice all goes out. And that's a secondary benefit to, to sales. Well, you know, the last couple of years have been historically warm weather. And uh, I don't have all the science uh, behind me to tell you whether that's going to continue. Uh, weather is, uh, you know, weather changes a lot. But the trend of the last. Couple decades has not been uh, good for cold winter weather in in parts of this country, and uh, that is maybe it's just a one two year thing. Maybe it's a maybe it's a trend. So let's go back to the IRS and and the delayed checks because, as you said, that's a real thing that you know. And the, and let's not single out AutoZone. They're not the only retail company out there talking about the delay of tax refunds. So. Uh, but it does seem, however, like their guidance is slightly off because, in theory, if there's a delay, then if their customers hold the form, then yes, they're still going to go out and buy stuff at AutoZone. It's just not going to be within this fiscal quarter. And so, in theory, Again, if their guidance is correct, if their own forecasting is correct, then they should feel pretty good about the current quarter. Well, I mean, it would have occurred by now. All the tax refunds are back, okay. and so they point out, management points out, that that surge in sales just didn't materialize. Wherever those tax refunds went, they were spent uh, elsewhere, rather than the percentage of them that typically AutoZone expects to see showing up in their stores, and. A few additional things. They have been building out uh, some distribution centers. They've been increasing their supply of parts uh, from once or twice a week to two or three times a week to a lot of the stores, and the traffic has not been there to justify that. So they've taken on a lot of expense to increase their supply chain uh, and the sales that they expected to generate from having more inventory on hand in stores is not appearing. And so they're left with a lot of expense and not enough revenue to cover it. So not that they're not making profits, they were still profitable. Their total profits for the year were up or for quarter over last year's quarter were up about one percent. Uh, and of course AutoZone being AutoZone, they bought back a lot of shares. So their earnings per share were up six percent, but that's that's not the ten percent uh, to you know, low teens uh, that they've come to uh, give uh, investors an expectation for. Last question, then we'll move on. With the drop today, shares of AutoZone down around twenty four percent year to date. When you look at that, do you think, okay, well, this is this is a value play right here, or given that they were off on their guidance, given the trend in weather? Whether or not it holds for the next couple of decades, where do you see this stock right now? So, long term, I think that this has been a very well managed company. We've owned it, we do own it uh, in, in the Great America Fund. 
Um, however, the combination of macro issues, we haven't even gotten to you know the increased competition that Amazon uh, is now providing for auto parts suppliers, and we haven't gotten to the long-term situation for auto parts if uh, fully you know electrical and autonomous vehicles appear, as you've talked about on the show. Um, which decreases the number of parts in a car from right. the thousands to less than twenty. Yeah, and, and Tony Seba was our guest on Motley Fool Money last weekend, and that was one of the things he talked about. Yeah, should everybody uh, listen to that? It's a pretty compelling interview, and I say compelling because I've gotten emails uh, from listeners reacting in both directions. Some people saying that was fantastic. That's really Opened my eyes to a whole new possibility in terms of investing, and uh, people taking the other side and saying, "Tony Siba is being incredibly assumptive about human behavior and uh, the role of things like the oil industry and that kind of thing," and he's being incredibly aggressive with his timeline. Yeah, it is an aggressive timeline, uh, but whether you adopt his timeline or not, if ultimately the number of parts in a car goes from the thousands to the dozens. That's not good for AutoZone. Fair enough. We'll move on to Toll Brothers. Uh, maybe home building is where people were spending their tax refunds. Toll Brothers' second quarter revenue rose 22%. Their profits came in higher than expected, and home sales are looking good. This is one that we talked about this earlier uh, down at Full Funds. Uh, you, we're almost at the halfway point of 2017, and I think it's fair to say that one of the trends in terms of general stocks so far this year is that things associated with the home tend to be doing pretty well, and Toll Brothers and Home Builders are no exception. Yeah, Home um, Home Depot, Lowe's, I think the home improvement stores are real. Uh, Bright spot in retailing, which uh, you know, Sherwin Williams, not just AutoZone. Um, there were other retailing disaster stories out there today, but uh, and and have been all all quarter. And housing stands apart from that. It's been a good year for Toll Brother stock, which you know differentiates it from the last three years. Uh, you know, over the long term, this has not been a, a market beating stock, but. You know, you go back far enough, it's it's kind of close to the market's return. So, uh, it's it gives it uh, provides that with a lot more fluctuation than the average stock. And right now, they're they're on a little bit of a roll. Housing uh, is good. There is not enough housing uh, available for demand, and they have uh, increased their backlog uh, up to five billion dollars, which is nice to have all that. Uh, to work on, and it's um, it was a it was a good quarter, you know, on top of the last couple for for Toll Brothers. I think that particularly in the uh, place where they're operating, the luxury home market, um, that's a particularly you know good part of the economy. Uh, rich people are doing well in America, and uh, they're they're buying bigger houses. So. Even with the forty percent run-up this stock has had over the past year, you still think Toll Brothers has a decent amount in the pipeline that um, they're probably not slowing down anytime soon. You know, it's a cyclical stock, and when to buy a cyclical stock uh, is not after it rose forty <laughs> percent. 
<laughs> no, <laughs> that's the short story. I mean, it, it sort of answers itself. Uh, if you can get a cyclical stock, a, a solid company like this, after it's uh, declined 40%, you're usually going to do a lot better than if you buy it after it's uh, gone up 40%. The last time it had a year like the last 12 months, a calendar year was 2012, it was up almost 60%, and it's just barely back to the stock price that it, it had at the end of 2012. Speaking of housing, got to say thanks to Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Uh, when it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, you want to work with someone you can trust and has your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision, whether you're buying a Toll Brothers home or not. So don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial information to get a mortgage approval in minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. So, if you're looking to buy a new Toll Brothers home or just refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. So, skip the bank, skip the waiting, and go completely online at quickenloans.com. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. A week ago, you and I were in the studio talking about the reports of Ford Motor laying off 10% of its employees. And here we are a week later, and they have a brand new CEO. Uh, I should point out that uh, John Rosevier, one of our writers who pops up on our Industry Focus podcast from time to time, has an article out today on the main page of Fool.com. It's an interview uh, with Jim Hackett, the new CEO at Ford Motor. So you can check that out. And. Um, we got a couple of email from uh, listeners, Bensie Abraham uh, and Chris Jenkins. Uh, I wanted to share a little bit of, of uh, Chris's e- email because, uh, frankly, uh, going into the studio yesterday, there there was very little I knew about uh, Jim Hackett, and it seemed it seemed somewhat out of the blue, particularly in the wake of Mark Fields, who's been at Ford Motor for 28 years and was Alan Mulally's right hand man and was universally praised. When he got the CEO job, uh, Chris Jenkins, um, you know, talking about Hackett, uh, saying Hackett was uh, recently named the interim athletic director at the University of Michigan. Many eyebrows were raised at that time, as he had no athletic background other than graduating from and playing football for Michigan many years earlier. I can tell you the Michigan athletic department was a mess following the departure of former Domino's CEO Dave Brandon. Fans and students were restless, alumni had become fractured, and ticket sales were significantly down. Hackett came in to fix the mess, uh, not wanting to be the permanent AD. He made the decision to fire uh, football coach Brady Hoke and was instrumental in the recruitment and hiring of Jim Harbaugh, pulling him from the NFL. He also oversaw the school's record $174 million deal with Nike. And when he left, he had brought the Michigan family together, righted the athletic program both in terms of organization and financially, and he was lauded as a consensus builder. I have no idea how he's going to do at Ford Motor, but my guess is he will adapt how he needs to and will at least begin the implementation of a new vision. He won't be afraid to make changes, even if he doesn't plan to be there for the next 10 years. I am not a Ford guy, but I wouldn't bet against Hackett. Sounds good to me. Sounds I mean, good for Ford shareholders uh, who have uh, not suffered deeply over the last three years, but have not. Uh, I mean, they, they've watched uh, the market go up and they've lost their shares go down uh, by I don't know about six percent a year. 
Well, and and one of the things I said yesterday was, you know, I don't know anything about Jim Hackett, but if he has, uh, you know, carte blanche to make the changes that he wants, and he's fearless, then, you know, then I think it it starts to become not only interesting for Ford Motor and their shareholders, but potentially lucrative. But um, I, you know, all of that remains to be seen. But really appreciate the email. Which you can always drop us an email, and our address is marketfoolery at fool.com. A couple of uh, housekeeping things before we wrap up today. Um, uh, Thank you to Leighton and Sarah, who stopped by Fool HQ last Friday. Uh, They caught a taping of Industry Focus, and I got the chance to meet them. Uh, Big listeners, it was wonderful to meet them, so thank you. Uh, for stopping by. Uh, as I think I mentioned yesterday, uh, the new episode of Motley Fool Answers has dropped, and Jason Moser and I make an appearance. It's my debut on Motley Fool Answers, and hopefully I have not ruined that show. But uh, we were doing a blind taste test of new Oreo flavors. So you can check it out. It starts about the 20 minute mark if you want to check out Motley Fool Answers. I mean, Frankly, the first 20 minutes is is really good substantive financial information from Robert Burrowcamp and Allison Southwick. But if you just want to skip right to the, you know, the Oreo nonsense that Jason and I are doing, you can do that too. Are, are Motley Fool answers and other podcasts like it cool enough to adopt the verb "dropped" when when they when they appear? I, does, I, does that? I, I don't know that that's. You just you just used I I don't know you're one of the kids that are using no that, I think that's that just the general vernacular when it gets when you when referring to a podcast I, that, I don't think that is that, that makes, a podcast a term uh, well it was an album term like up, yeah it's not, I, I think, think the, I think I think I think of it as a you know more of a musical term the podcast industry appears to have adopted it okay so I've heard a lot of other hosts use that verb so I just I'm just do you think they're just trying to be cooler than they really are um, look if you're hosting a podcast. You are automatically. You're pretty cool. No, you're automatically further down the cool scale than, say, someone who's a musician who's who's putting on an album. So you're at cocktail parties a lot, and people are <laughs> asking you what you do, and you know I'm a host of a podcast or two, and uh, and then they're they're they it's kind of sort of hushed silence, awe, I assume. No, I'm, I haven't been at any of these cocktail parties with you, so I haven't had the chance to witness. When I tell people what I do for a living, honestly, and I mention that, the look on their face is is not awe. It's more sort of like mild confusion. Like they're trying to figure out, like, wait, what? What do you do? Really? No, really? Like, there's a little bit of that. If if the thought bubble appeared over their head, that's what it'd be. There's a quizzical look on their face in general when I say, "Oh, I host, I host a couple of podcasts," and it's just you know a furrowed brow, and it's a, you know, a little. How does that work? How does that work? A little bit of a, a struggle to be polite, because <laughs> I think if you know if they have a couple of drinks in them, they're just like, "Wait, what? No, that's that can't possibly be." A lot of requests for autographs. Not a one. Not, not a one. Um, last thing, we we got. So if, is, if a listener asks, like, could I get a signed picture? Do you send those out? Autograph picture? I don't have pictures, so <laughs> so no, no. Those requests don't come, and and there are headshot no headshot with or no a voice print maybe. <laughs> voice print. I don't. I'm not even sure I know what that is. Uh, Longtime listeners have probably realized that the investing talk for today has ended. Um, Maybe, but we are we are we we're are going to come back. Uh, we'll Maybe. see. We are going to say one one or two things about um, uh, Roger Moore, 
who has passed away, mm. Sir Roger Moore. Yes, uh, passed away at the age of eighty-nine, and um, he was he was James Bond to me. When I, the first James Bond movie I saw in a theater, it starred Roger Moore. What and, was it? Uh, it was Moonraker. All right. It was the first one I saw in the theater, and then um, I think after that I saw. Um, I think Live and Let Die was the next one I saw, probably on... ABC, Sunday night. Yeah, probably like a Sunday night movie kind of thing. And so, for me, Roger Moore was James Bond. And at some point, after I saw Moonraker, I learned, you know, there was another guy who played. And so, it was like, wait, who's this Sean Connery guy? Yeah, the first movie uh, that I saw in the theater, a Bond movie, was The Spy Who Loved Me. And then... A few of the Sunday night ones, and and ultimately some of the Connery ones mixed in, and of course your parents were obligated to insist to you that uh, Sean Connery was the better James Bond. Yes, I mean that was actually I think a law back in the nineteen seventies. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think 80s. it's a, I think it's still a law in Scotland actually <laughs> that, that Sean Connery is 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 the best Bond. Um, although, do you think in England there that, that people fight that? I don't know. I mean, Roger Moore was quoted as saying, I'm the fourth best Bond. And I think he put himself, I'm assuming he put himself behind Sean Connery, Daniel Craig, and uh, what's one of the other guys? Uh, Remington Steele, whatever that guy's name is. Uh, Pierce Brosnan? Pierce Brosnan. Instead there of Timothy Dalton? I don't think anyone's putting Timothy Dalton in the top three, I, other than Timothy Dalton and his immediate family. And nobody's putting George Lazenby in it. I mean, <laughs> And God bless you. He George hardly got a crack at it, but uh, I think, yes, that's probably what he was he was referring to. So, I, as I understand it, George Lazenby was cast to be James Bond mainly because of his looks. He was he was a model. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't really much of an actor. And I think at least some of the people behind the film thought, well, you know what? What I mean. How much acting is really required? And then they put Lazenby on screen, and they're like, "Oh, actually, yeah. <laughs> How much money does Sean Connery want to come back? We'll we'll do that." Um, last thing about uh, Sir Roger Moore, The Saint. Did you ever watch The Saint reruns? I did not watch The Saint. The Saint was a, a rock solid um, television show, uh, and he was Simon Templar, and um, uh, just a, a great premise. Basically, the, you know the. the the master thief who is recruited uh, to you know to do good in the world that sort of thing, um, and uh, I think I think I saw episodes on on PBS or something like that, black and white episodes. But uh, but I it, when you see episodes of The Saint from the 1960s, it's really easy to figure out how they you know how the producers of the James Bond films watched a young Roger Moore as Simon Templar and said, you know what. Um, we we can turn this guy into James Bond. Yeah, I, I look. I grew up with him. I enjoyed the Roger Moore uh, James Bond movies. I didn't see the last two when I think they yeah sort of devolved into even you know sillier things than than Moon than Moonraker was. Then which Moon- was, I mean pretty silly, but yeah, uh, yeah, he'll be missed. He will be missed. Um, Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. This show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hell. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Meeting.